Sonic States Hello everybody and welcome to Sonic Talk number 221. Uh, we're recording today, Wednesday the 8th of June. Uh, this is the last show before I have a little break next week. I'm going down to France um, for a well-deserved bit of R&R with some retired people as I do from time to time. Um, I just want to say thank you everybody in the chat room for joining us. Um, once again, we've got a nice bumper crop. Uh, for the, if you're still wondering what we're talking about, and I find it hard to believe that anybody still doesn't know, it's Sonic Talk, sonicstate.com forward slash live, 4pm on a Wednesday where there's a live video stream of this podcast and the guests and myself, uh, <laughs> who I'm trying to... Hold on a minute, this isn't working. There we go. That's better. So, uh, anyway, that was a rather botched introduction. But anyway, welcome, one and all, and thank <laughs> you to all my guests. Who are, um, we'll start with Gaz. I'm not seeing your video. I did see it briefly, but I do know that Gaz is actually, that's his icon over there on the left, is in the, uh, in the back of a car in a service station in, just, yes. over the, uh, just over the bridge. Gaz Williams, of course, songsurgeon.co.uk, uh, Welsh record producer, now just inside the Welsh border. How are you, Gaz? I'm very well, thank you. Um... I'm, uh, yeah, I'm sat in a car. I didn't quite make it back to my studio, so I thought I'd just pull over to the services uh, to, do the, uh, to do the podcast. Um, what I'd like to say quickly is uh, this week I've uh, discovered a band uh, who've been around for a few years called Everything Everything, uh, and they really excited me because they're a British band, and they're actually doing something really, really interesting, really fresh and really uh, lots of ideas. Sounds very new. Uh, it also has got certain echoes. Sounds a little bit like Gentle Giant Rich, you might be intrigued to hear, in, in places, in a very kind of modern way. But I was just really enamoured to sort of hear a band who was actually, I don't know, I think for me, British bands have just become so kind of, I don't know, stuck in a rut, it seems, for years. So I was really pleased to, uh, to hear a band who sort of seemed to, I don't know, uh, just go out on a limb, really, and uh, do some really, really interesting stuff. Um, so just wanted to say that just because uh, lots of synths in their music as well and so lots of uh, interesting time changes, but it still is pop music. So it's kind of, um, yeah, big thumbs up. Ah, okay. Well, you have to send us a link and we'll, uh, we'll check it out in the show notes. And um, thank you very much for that top tip. I'm still just seeing your smiling face. It's such a shame. I, I don't know if you can maybe connect and reconnect the video. I would love to show our listeners sure. that you are really in the back of it. Well, not, are you in the back or the front of a car? <laughs> It's the back of a guy. Ah, well, perfect. I can see okay. him. You can see him. I can't see him. I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a bit... Ah, hold on. There's a spinny wheel. I definitely want to see him because I think... Oh, he's gone. Yay! There we go. There is Gaz. You can see. And your car sounds... It's a really good car for doing... Um, it's like a voiceover booth. You do sound very, very radio. Great, because it's actually got... Um, it's uh, like a people carrier. It's actually got tables in the back. So the, uh, the laptop's resting on a little table. <laughs> and I have used it as a little studio before with uh, my audio interface on the other table. And uh, it does actually work quite well. I've, um, uh, I've just got to get an inverter now so I can run my monitors in here. And then uh, I definitely would use it as a as It's a brilliant for broadcast. <laughs> and at least, uh, the last time I remember you in the car, you were outside a, kid, a school in the dark just after, which perhaps wasn't quite such a... Uh, that quite well, and that was that, no. that 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 garnered the immortal <laughs> title, which I was too scared to use. I'm not an aud- I'm not a paedophile. I'm an audiophile. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the teachers were looking at me very strange as I was huddled over the laptop in the back seat. You know, 
Anyway, but um, well, brilliant. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us. Right, well, the first um, topic uh, that we're going to look at this week, I, I guess we have to talk about it, really, because it seems to have created a bit of a stir. Obviously, we've had the Apple WWC conference, um, I think it was on Monday this week, and uh, now Apple have announced iCloud, which for some reason has caused a massive stir, which I can't really kind of get my head around, because as far as I could tell, it's just cloud storage for your stuff so you can sync it across all your devices which is great but something that us android users have had for an awfully long time but the gig the big deal seems to be the fact that you can you can also upload you 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 get five gigs of story for storage for free and that storage is used you can also scan your itunes library or your mp3 collection for stuff you haven't bought in itunes and it will get uploaded and sort of legitimized for 24.99 dollars uh, a year and as far as i understand it this is kind of like a sort of tax <laughs> that uh, is appeasing the record labels and giving them some sort of money back but it just doesn't seem like a particularly um i don't know it seems it seems like a kind of weird way of it. i mean i personally would rather spend you know five or a more and get access to almost everything via a streaming service like Spotify or RDO or one of those things. But it does seem to have caused a massive amount of fuss. Uh, I don't know what anybody thinks about this. Whether I, I mean, it, this is not available in the UK at the moment. It's only in the US. Um, Rich, is that right? Do you know? The iTunes it's not map. available. It's, it's not available in the US. Not yet. Current. Um, and to get to your other question... It's sort of like another repackaging of .Mac, MobileMe. Now they call it iCloud because cloud is a popular piece of terminology that everybody's using to describe this sort of off-site housing of data. And uh, in their case, I, I spent a little time researching it on Apple's site today, and I found that there are a few interesting features. Like, for example, your purchased stuff from Apple does not count against your storage limit. That's right. Because they've, already, they've, already, got, they've already got storage for that already, haven't they? Because, I mean, they don't need to store it twice. See what I mean? Well, presumably they're going to sell you iCloud on a yearly subscription basis like they do MobileMe. I don't think they're giving it away. I'd be very surprised if, to find out that they're giving it away. They are. They're giving it away to begin with, yeah, unless you want to upload stuff that isn't part of the iTunes kind of family. Right. Mm. If you want to use it like MobileMe... Right, which is to say you can synchronize your calendars, your address books, and any number of other things as you choose to or not across your various devices that are subscribed to your mobile me account. Um, I believe those features will continue to be paid features. No, and that's they're, the, they're free now. That's the useful oh. stuff. Well, they are Pardon free now. I believe that's free now. They're making that free, that aspect from what I did. Uh, hmm. My understanding of it. Oh yeah, but not uh, um, contacts, but not photos. It's applications, purchased app, purchased applications, and purchased iTunes files. I don't know about any other data. I'm not sure about because uh, uh, I'm oh, I'm a mobile me subscriber, and I had an email oh, um, saying that it's going to be it's going to be free. Uh, you're my, correct. As you're correct. As, you're uh, correct. You're correct. Mm. Absolutely. I'm reading the letter that I received <laughs> as a mobile me customer, and it says. Available this fall, iCloud is free for iOS 5 and OS 10 Lion users. Right. So it okay. comes with... Oh, right. comes yeah. with that, so you have so, to upgrade. I've just realized I forgot to introduce anybody else apart from Gaz, because I was so excited about him being in a car. <laughs> so, uh, they're not important. <laughs> so I'm just going to say, hello over oh, here, Mark Tinley, likebeing.com. Um, uh, uh, any other domains you want us to point you at? 
Oh no, I actually consolidated everything and put it on that domain yesterday. I got so excited with the idea of putting a like button on it that I put a really big one on. So it's kind of like like being everything. Ah, Fantastic. I'm got I'm I'm digging the like 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 being dot com. <laughs> nice idea. Anyway, welcome Mark. And also uh over there Rich Hilton from Connecticut, wearing a, a good old patriotic T-shirt there. How are you, Rich? Uh, Rich, of course, is, uh, good, thanks. works in the studio with Nile Rogers, tours live with uh, Sheik, does a, an awful lot of production at a high level. Major dude, Hiltonius on MySpace. Welcome, Rich. Thanks. Now I, got that, now I got that over and done with. Um, <laughs> I think that the, 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 the ins and outs of the actual... Um, the product is kind of interesting, but what strikes me as more interesting is the way that it's been designed. They are, there is a split of this 25 bucks a year fee that goes to the record companies to kind of, uh, as a sort of tax for, um, for, for allowing this stuff to be, to, to be virtual based. And that, that's quite an interesting shift that they, Apple have been actually been able to, to pull it off yes, or not. But do I mean I I don't know it just feels to me that basically I don't see the advantage really I would ra- like I say I would rather what? pay I don't really see the advantage because Oh man I use it all the time. Do you? you, use, what do you all use all the time. Mobile me. What is mobile me? I don't even know it's what like that is. A, we talk, a, we're still talking about iCloud, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's What is Okay, so will somebody explain to me I mean I know what cloud is. I know because my partner works for T system which is like one of the biggest cloud providers in Europe. So I know what that is, but what is the difference between my iDisk that I used to have and iCloud, or is it just the same thing repackaged with a nice name? Yeah, basically it's that, but it also has more compatibility with all your devices. So you can access, you can use it as a way of moving stuff around between iOS devices, whereas before it was perhaps not so straightforward. I, I think. Know. They, I think. Are they playing catch up with Dropbox and then trying to give it a pretty name? That was uh-huh. kind of to yeah. some extent. Yes, to some okay. extent. I, I, I think what <laughs> right. they what what their big marketing push on it is. They're saying that like for ten years or so, uh, the 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 PC or the laptop or whatever has been the hub of your digital kind of uh, life, and that your other devices kind of connect to it. They're now saying that, like, your laptop is now on the same sort of tier, if you will, as your iPad and your iPhone, and that the cloud then is the kind of uh, is the hub, and 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 that all your all your kind of devices are all sort of um, on an equal footing, and that uh, it pushes everything. You take a photo on your i on your iPhone, uh, and the photo without prompting automatically goes up to the cloud and gets pushed to all your devices simultaneously. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, I mean, this. Is, yeah, I get it. I mean, uh, it's, it's not. There's one thing that I've noticed about Dropbox, and that is that I've got a 10 gigabyte Dropbox, and I've dumped mm-hmm. loads of audio recordings in there. And now, whenever I switch my Toshiba little netbook that I'm doing the podcast on, when I switch that on, it just says all these files have been added to your Dropbox, and I think, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. And then when I turn my Mac laptop on, it says all these files have been added to your Dropbox. And then if I, you know, turn my iPhone on, it says all these files have been added to your Dropbox. And then the computer downstairs. So I've got 40 gigabytes of data hammering back up and yeah. forth down my network connection in the background yeah. without me really sort of knowing it. 
and then I sort mm-hmm. of think, why is this page loading? <laughs> well, that is one of the downsides. But I mean, that, that um, whole kind any of... any moment, someone's going to turn around to me and say, you're going to have to pay for all this extra data, aren't they? So... It depends on what your what your plan is, but yeah, that's the point. I mean, I was kind of more interested in the the capturing of the you know the 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 way that they've integrated into tunes and music and kind of allowing it to. It's not a streaming service; it's a download service, which is slightly different because I know Amazon have come in for a lot of stick for their and Google for their online storage of your music libraries. The record labels are just going crazy and saying, "No, this isn't on." But Apple somehow have managed to pull it off. Well, they're tying it into the uh, iTunes store. Yeah. And as Gaz mm-hmm. points out, they've really made it a sort of media-centric sales presentation where the features of being able to share your libraries across your devices is, is the big deal. This was actually possible in a lot of different ways already. And I do this all the time. Like I said, I get on my work computer from right here all the time. And I can transfer files between them. I can mount the desktop on my desktop and operate it. I mean, I, it's, I, I'm sharing, as soon as I update a calendar on any one of my devices, whether it be a desktop computer or laptop or uh, an iPad or an iPod, it's updated to everything, like on a calendar items basis or on an address book basis. And I can, you can control exactly which kinds of data you want to have syncing across your devices. Like you can sh- share your mail accounts like I do, or you can choose not to share your system preferences like I do, because different devices want different kinds of preferences quite often. And uh, you can really customize your experience with the thing. And, and this all exists now. So Mark's right, too. It's a marketing thing. And, and, they're re- and there's also some additional features related to media, as Gaz points out. And mm-hmm. that's really sort of the focus of their pitch is to facilitate people's interest in media and owning and having access to media. They don't really own anything, but they, they, they do. <laughs> Somebody else does. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, I, I felt it was we should release bring it up because mm-hmm. it's caused an enormous stir. But it seems to be a little bit of smoke and mirrors, as uh, we've kind of discovered there, really. And, well, I mean, in that it's more smoke and mirrors for what's already existing. It's not actually much in the new format, apart from the fact... Well, I, guess they haven't, I guess they haven't sold it well enough yet. Well, there aren't not. too many people out there, you know, preaching from this particular pulpit that I'm on at the moment. Mm-hmm. I suppose not. And that's the problem. And they want to make money with it. And mm-hmm. they should make um, Have you all watched the, uh, that, the, uh, the keynote speech or whatever it's called? No, uh, I didn't like get time to do that. No. Two hours uh, is too long watched- for me. It's, it was too. Uh, there was a lot of stuff in there. One of the things that was quite interesting in it, though, is that they've shown this new facility that they've just built. Uh, I'm not sure where it was, in Oregon or, or Ohio. I can't remember what it was. Somewhere in the states, uh, and it's an enormous, massive, um, brand new facility for data storage. Really, where, which is the sort of physical kind of version of the cloud, I guess, where everything's going to be stored <laughs> and. Uh, it's an amazing facility and they were like kind of but there was something about that particular presentation it was they were going through lots of statistics about apple and where they kind of were they were kind of uh, as much as they were launching their new product they were actually kind of showing off really about a lot of their kind of uh, achievements you know they're now saying you know they're, they're you know they've had 15 billion downloads off itunes making them the biggest music retailer in the world they're now the biggest games retailer in the world the uh they had like a graph about kind of camera usage and they're just like short of being the most popular camera most photos uploaded onto the internet in the world 
and so on and so on. Just, you know, statistic after t- statistic, you know, of like kind of utter global conquerage. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I was thinking, oh, am bit, I really subscribing for this? Yeah. Mm. I kept <laughs> skipping over those parts because yeah. I know they're going to do that. And I know at the backside of that, they're going to show you a new feature and then they're going to explain it ad nauseum and then they're going to do another statistical, you know, aren't we wonderful? And then they're going to show you another new feature. So I kind of skipped my way through the first hour and a quarter in this thing. Sorry, there was, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll do another thing about Lion on a future, on a future one, but there was some things that was quite interesting, I thought, regard for musicians and stuff to do with Lion, but also to do with, uh, the. there's a whole kind of like shift of paradigm, really, of uh, computing, really, that they, I don't know if I, totally bought into the sort of sales pitch yesterday but um maybe we could do- talk about that on another uh, uh maybe about lion again if you, if you want to move on yeah well when um, i when, perhaps when i get hold of it i'm still on uh, 10.5.8 on this laptop at the moment so uh, <laughs> when i perhaps move to uh to another one because everything runs on it and i'm just a bit scared that if i do an upgrade i'll have to spend a week figuring out why nothing works anymore so i'm going to play a couple of uh, little bits of uh, audio here let's start with this so this is the Audio damage, pan station, auto paner, and tremolo. Which, if you're listening on Skype, will be glorious mono and just be sort of going up and down in volume a little bit. And also, presumably, well, the podcast is in mono, so it's probably not going to be that impressive a demo. So we'll skip that because that's obviously a really dumb idea. But what we have is. Um, This is the news of the new pan station, uh, Panna, from Audio Damage, who I think make absolutely brilliant plugins. And um, it's got a lot of uh, algorithms from the Drama M500 and the Audio Design uh, Pan Scan, which are apparently sort of real secret weapons when it came to uh, auto panning. And it seemed to be it was quite an esoteric and sort of it was like a black art. And really posh studios had. Uh, pa- uh, auto panners and i'm guessing you know they 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 were used a lot in the kind of 80s weren't they 80s and 90s and i'm just wondering i don't really know much about them i'm guessing rich you might have some information uh, to hand about this stuff oh sure love them especially especially when you can sync them to bpm and use them as part of a pulsing texture well, um it- and they i there are there are a bunch of good ones this one looks pretty nice for what is it 39 bucks. 39 bucks yeah <laughs> that looks really nice for 39 bucks if it sounds good and it does the right kinds of things that'll be great um i tend to use pan man by sound toys and like it very much uh it's somewhat more expensive than 39 bucks uh does probably some of the some additional things that this thing doesn't do but it they're both yes i find it to be a useful effect i like using it in rhythm uh i also will use it to take a Fender Rhodes or a Wurlitzer sound and put it into that pulsing tremolo-y vibe. Um, but it's cool on guitars, too. I mean, tremolo's wonderful. Well, uh, just a few bullet points about this. Uh, basically, uh, it's got four different panning laws, including the exact one-to-one clone of the M500 pan law, 10 panning waveforms, including all the waveforms in the M500, the Drama M500. That is free run, t- MIDI tempo sync, MIDI note trigger, CC, MIDI note number and CC control, audio trigger, uh, an, 
an audio trigger counting feature from the uh, audio design pan scan, easy to read user interface, MIDI learn control, all of that kind of stuff. It seems like um, it's got a lot to offer, actually, and for that sort of price, I must admit, the some of the other, um, I've got uh, uh, something called Rough Rider and Combinat. They sound a bit like uh, adult sex toys, but they're not. They're, they're like really good um, bus... <laughs> Uh, drum bus compressors, but they really kind of got distortion and filtering built in, so you could do some really powerful stuff with it. So I definitely want to check this out. I don't know, Gaz, are you using um, auto panning? Is that something that's missing from your life? Uh, I use auto pan a hell of a lot. Uh, I um, I use auto pan. Um, I use it. I use it. I, I use it enormous a lot. For, enormous a lot uh, for. Um, for sort of sorting out dense mixes, I like lots of small movements, and uh, so I use AutoPan not for you know I I like to use it in a very kind of um, obvious way, but I like to use it just for very small shimmers, just so things are just moving round, always moving round. Especially if I'm finding it difficult to find um, if there's lots and lots of elements going on in the mix, and I want to sort of uh, uh, just by having lots of things. In fact, one time I tried having virtually everything AutoPanning, but just small amounts of the whole mix is constantly moving uh, other than so maybe bass and kick and uh, a few other things but um so yeah so i'm a huge auto auto pan junkie really so very interested in this although i'm not quite sure what it would bring that i haven't already got um so i'll have to investigate it really has anyone here used it what do you what do you currently use uh it depends uh i uh um I use, depends what software I'm using. I tend to use whatever's native. Uh, generally, all the software has right. auto. Uh, I, I, to be honest, the one I use probably the most, though, is uh, I use the, I use Guitar Rig 4's tremolo in stereo mode uh, probably the most because uh, I use Guitar Rig 4 almost exclusively on everything. Uh, it's my, I just use it as a modular effects unit. I love it. Um, uh, a thumbs so, up there from Rich Hilton. You can mm, see that's obviously stuff. a top tip <laughs> from the pros. Absolutely. <laughs> well, they did say, one thing it does say on the uh, in the blurb is that you know the the, the M five hundred and uh, uh, PanScan were kind of real, uh, like special producer fairy dust that uh, people kept kind of quite secret. I mean, but how do you how do you apply uh, auto panning? Are there rules that you set because you, you couldn't you end up with an awful sort of seasick kind of mess? What sort of rules do you use mm-hmm. if you're going to use it uh, so much, Gaz? Well, I use uh, I'll use like kind of sine wavy type panning rather than sort of square wave panning, uh, so it's smooth uh, and with a, with only a shallow width really. So the actual the amount of movement is you know uh, stereo movement is actually quite small. But I think it's one of these things that if it's always moving, it just seems the the mix keeps seeming to find things seem to find spaces. Then it kind of keeps creating spaces. Um, uh, I love it. I, do you let I, it? Do you let it free run, or do you tempo sync it? Uh, <laughs> sorry, the chatties are keeping making me laugh. Um, <laughs> As your head is saying, "Gaz, um, your car is being towed." <laughs> <laughs> both, really, both. I like really slow, slow auto pan, which isn't which isn't tempo synced. Um, so it's really, really small movement. Oh. Or tempo sync, both really. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but I definitely use loads of it. 
Excellent. Maybe and too much. Mark, is that something that you you kind of get into? Because I've never really – panning and stereo imaging is something I've never really mastered, I must admit. And I like the idea of plugging everything into an automatic thing that just goes, yeah, you, you sort it out. <laughs> well, um, the graphic on this plugin reminds me of a box that was in one of the first studios I ever went in. And I think that studio belonged to the Mormons or something or the Moonies in London. It was an eight-track. I can't remember what it was called. It's in like 1981 or 1982 or something. And they had this black box with a graphic that looked just like that on it, I think. Um, and then I don't know, I've been fascinated with the whole idea of it ever since. And then the whole, um, you know, like in the AKS Synthy where you can put things in a joystick. I like kind of getting more than one auto pan and more than two outputs from a machine and playing around with sound flying around the place and doing kind of weird stuff. Um, and then you're going to ask me which one I use the most. Don't you? It might be a question that could be coming, Mark. <laughs> I use the one in Logic Audio. All right, I really it? like the one in Logic Audio. I like the one in Logic Audio because you can you can play with the width and the depth and the shape of the different waveforms and things. And um, so I can auto pan between sort of like ten and two o'clock as opposed to like hammering hard left and hard right and then i can play with the balance and i so i can auto pan but you know kind of auto pan things in the left field and auto pan stuff in the right field and sort of play around with phase and stuff and have things kind of i don't know almost like uh creating like an auto pan stereo width effect as well you know like uh reversing the phase in the center creates like a, a an, an imaginary stereo width enhancement you can actually play around with modulating that as well which is quite good fun so yes i love it and use it a lot <laughs> that's what i'm saying i can tell so there's I'm obviously talking. something really <laughs> there's something really missing from my life because um, i don't use it enough i don't use it at all in fact and uh, that's the one thing that like i said my mixes have been lacking so this could look could be a good thing audio damage.com uh, I think it's audio. Let me just check. I've got the window there. Audiodamage.com. Yeah, check it out. It's 39 bucks. I mean, it's not much of an investment, is it, really? Perhaps he didn't listen to Pink Floyd enough as a teenager. Maybe it's that. <laughs> I, de I definitely didn't know. How did they do it then? Do you think they had a drama M500? No, apparently they did it with an AKS Synthy, all of that panning stuff. They'd be put stuff in, or uh, what's the VCS3, isn't it? So ah. they would put things into that, and then they'd use the joystick to pan stuff around, which is actually why I mentioned it earlier on. But that is probably one of the early tricks of all. That's probably why this Synthy AKS was uh, was uh, Synthy was so uh, popular then. Well, but because it's a four-way uh, stick, they used to have the sound uh, coming out of four speakers in a concert. So, and then the sound guy would throw stuff around the room. So you'd go to a concert and get this sense of like sounds flying from behind you so and an, everything. An EMS across every channel or every bus. Yeah, that's a big mixing console. There. <laughs> <laughs> well, and at the other end of the spectrum, the Synclavier had a lot of really cool panning modes, some of which were random and some of which could be controlled really nicely. And you could get things to, to either tremolo or you could get them to randomly occur in different places in the stereo field. And it, there were some really neat pan modulators in there as did uh yamaha spx 50 i think it was the spx 50 had a midi modulated <laughs> panning thing in it if i remember rightly 
And the SPX90, perhaps, as well. Maybe so. Guys, <laughs> I can see the chat room are giving you a lot of stick here. That another uh, Asia is really on a roll. They've, they've stuck a parking ticket yeah. on your window. Have you had any one, anybody wander by and uh, uh, look in, wondering what you're doing? Or do you just well, look like a busy parking. executive who's just got to do a conference call? Uh, I tried to park in the most remote part, and a big van just came up and pulled up right next to me. So, um, but uh, no, I've been pretty that much left to my own devices. Yeah. <laughs> the, the way you look round looks so shifty and suspicious there. <laughs> Furtive parking. Right. Yes. Um we should probably at this point introduce a, a word from our sponsors and I think I can do that with quite ease. There we go. I want to say thank you very much to our sponsors who are Yamaha. Uh, of course, uh, Yamaha synth.com, Yamaha download.com. What they want to tell you about is the Yamaha N8 and N12 digital consoles. These are basically firewire hybrid mixing devices, uh, audio uh, mixing de- mixing desks with a firewire audio interface, 96K, 24-bit. They've got a characterized N mic preamp, sweet spot morphing compressor, advanced integration with Cubase. Uh, in fact, you get Cubase AI that comes with it. Uh, there's uh, adv- uh, high z input for direct guitar or bass recording, a wide-range musical EQ, high-resolution Rev-X Reverb built-in as well, fully integrated pro-level monitoring suite, aux sends for artist monitoring or external processing, dry-wet monitoring control. And what they wanted to do is just go and check one out because there's a lot of features and functions in there that obviously you're going to need to hear. So head on down to a Yamaha store. In the UK, uh, there are things called Pulse stores, which are stores within stores where they've got a kind of cornucopia of Yamaha devices and gear that you can check out. Uh, run some audio through it, see what the compressors sound like, you know, see how it works. And uh, in the US, you can do the same thing. Um, you would probably need to uh, go to Yamaha.com and check out the uh, the store locator and see where there's one near you. But in the UK, YamahaSynth.com will give you all of the available Pulse stores, YamahaDownload.com also. So once again, we thank Yamaha for their continued sponsor of the show, and we uh, thoroughly um, appreciate their continued support. So thank you very much. Right. Um, I think we've got what is next? Ah, hot theorem in action. How could I forget? Let me see what I can do with this. This is uh... I dream of cleaning you so. I would like to play all of that. I'm going to have to stop at some point. But that was uh, the fabulous Dorit Chrysler. Brilliant name. Um, that was, again, another Moog Sound Lab, which is a big hit with me. This We've, we've covered this before, but this was another one. And uh, Dorit is just... Uh, you couldn't really tell from that, but she's a really accomplished uh, theremin player. She plays a little bit more pitched and uh, uh, kind of tuneful stuff later on. But I really enjoyed that. And I, I don't know if it was just me, but I found it incredibly sensual as well. I think perhaps the lyrics were quite uh-huh. saucy. Um, without, uh, I'm not sure whether they meant to be or not, but... Uh, Girl playing a theremin with synths. It's hard to beat, isn't it? <laughs> Who else enjoyed that? <laughs> I, I think it was I, mental. Might, yeah. 
You what? Yeah. Go, 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 uh, Mark. Sorry. Uh, I think she was absolutely mental. I want to. I want to claim her as, <laughs> as a, for the Asperger's tribe. <laughs> okay, you may well be correct. I don't know how I tell, but yes, it's it's quite eccentric. She's definitely got. I mean, she's a very interesting woman. She's in addition to her solo career, she's founded the New York Theremin Society. Uh, she's uh, together with an issue, uh, the Issue Project Room is co-curating the Experimental Theremin Orchestra series. She co-produced the 10-piece Theremin Orchestra event together with Steve Martin, the first Theremin Orchestra of the 21st century. Took the stage at Disney Hall in Los Angeles in front of a sold-out crowd, performing a ranged repertoire of 20, for, for 20 minutes, followed by standing ovations from the audience. So, you know, she's obviously a bit of a virtuoso as well. But, yeah, brilliant. I really enjoyed it. She did the um, – she was uh, involved in the uh, the brilliant uh, April Fool's uh, oh, polyphonic yeah. theremin piece, which I think we <laughs> could all appreciate as well. Rich, did I Virt- – Virtuoso, eh? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I couldn't – I didn't uh, see – She's a lot more fond of that, you know, woo yeah, this, uh, triangle wave modulation move and those fast pitch sweeps that she she's a lot more fond of that stuff than I am. And the rest of her stuff is sort of <laughs> close to in tune, but she's no Clara Rockmore. She's no virtuoso. She's all right. She's cool. She's got a thing. Like I said, she's way too fond of those effects uh, for my money. And there's way too much. I mean, what you call sensual, I call drama in it all. It's all. Oh, yeah. Drama. So. It's all taking itself so seriously, man. You think? And, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm not sure I'd agree with that, but yeah, maybe, maybe I misread it. I tell. I loved it. I mean, I went to her website. I, I looked. I researched this girl, and she's been around for a while. She's Austrian, apparently, and yeah. uh, and uh, she's you know she's got a distinctly, in my Americanized view, European kind of female presentation to her what does that mean i don't know yeah no i agree but i've known other european women who took their art very very seriously like that and uh were fond of certain effects so i guess maybe i lump her together with them but ah. but uh but she's not untalented and she's not uninteresting but she's also not a virtuoso she, if in case you're interested, she uh, triggers the recorded backing track on a laptop. Looked like she had logic going, and from what I could uh, gather in that performance, had vocals theremin in real time, a feet of Mooga Fuga pedals, analog delay, and an Akai head rush looper that adds layers of uh, sonic depth to her sound. Yes, do you want to playing at your wedding? <laughs> she, uh, she reminded me of. Uh, Jilly Smythe from Gong, I thought. It was a real kind of Gong sort of vibe I was picking up uh, from her. But um, I thought... Uh, I, I'm not sure that she's that serious either. I think she's quite playful with it, isn't she? But um, I think so. Yeah. Mm. I enjoyed but, um, it. It allowed me to put hot, hot theremin action into, uh, in, mm. into the show notes, which you know, just yeah. appeals to my <laughs> child, childlike sense of humour. I'm not I saying I didn't get... enjoy it, Nick. That was I, I wasn't saying I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was cool, but I, she's definitely on the Aspie drive. Right, okay. <laughs> right. Um, let me find out what we got next. Uh, we have oh oh yes, um, another Fader Fox little controller. I've not tried any of these Fader Fox mm. things, but I really quite like the look of them. I'm just going to flip to the. The browser. It's the LV3 Ableton Live controller. Looks like this, uh, and it's 
it's pretty sweet actually i have to say it just that this is part of the the uh the series of fader fox controllers that are kind of small purpose built a couple of joysticks there eight faders eight 16 switches another bunch at the top and uh, various different Pots. It's on its sides. So it's a bit hard to read, but uh, uh, features automatic separate setup files for Live 8, uh, USB interface, controls eight tracks with the possibility to shift the eight track window to further tracks, 24 programmable buttons with functions, but all about 280 commands, start, stop, four channel, multi, uh, multifunctional push encoders, uh, 33 LED, two jit display. New rubber knobs for best tactile feel, which I think is a, a great feature. Um, I know, I really like that. I'm sure one of us has talked about Fader Fox stuff before, and I'm sure also, I think when I was talking to maybe Flood or was it uh, Gareth Jones, and he was saying, you know, rather than try and get the, the, the perfect controller, these small specialised ones are definitely the way forward. Anybody tried any Fader Fox stuff? Me? Ah, have. Gaz, have you? You've frozen. Mm, yeah. Oh, have I? You have. Uh... Okay. Um, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Uh, yes, I've tried Fader Fox stuff. I've tried it a few times over the years. The original ones, uh, same format. Uh, they didn't have USB back in those days, so it sort of meant you had to have lots of MIDI interfaces and stuff. Uh, but now they've got, US, they've got USB on them now, so that's really cool. Um, one thing that's really nice about the Fader Fox stuff is it's like the buttons and everything's quite clicky, and it feels uh, there's a real st- quite a kind of... Um, a slightly unusual feel to the buttons and stuff. It feels quite nice to press. They don't feel... Um, There's a positive. I don't know. They do. There's a very positive kind of clickiness to them. And uh, like the joystick is kind of... Um, it, it feels like the VCS3 joystick, you know, quite loose in its... Uh, so it's actually really nice. You can get really nice uh, performance control on them. Uh, and I definitely agree with that about the small controllers. I think they've... I think they're brilliant. I really recommend them. Um, uh, uh, I do have, have a... I, I do have a bit of a kind of room full of small controllers. I've got a lot of Korg Nano <laughs> yeah, products. I've got uh, uh, an Alpha Track uh, something or other, uh, which I was going to use. But so, I, do you think they just appeal to people who like the idea of them, and then they use them a couple of times, and then that's kind of it? Or I don't know. Well, I think uh, you know. I mean, obviously, there's lots now. Uh, since the original Fader Foxes, um, and you know uh, the original Fader Fox, they had like um, various ones in the range before that were just like like pretty much predating the launch pad. That kind of idea, where uh, with the Matrix, uh, just a, there was one that was just literally pretty much like a launch pad. Um, so, uh, so I think that the market's moved on a little bit for them, but they've looked. I think this new one looks really cool, though. I like the dual joysticks. I think that looks it's brilliant. Not, I think they're know. about 249 bucks, so they're still they're pretty expensive. I mean, you know, it's all, mm. I don't know. Is that expensive for something that's specialised? Uh, when, when you see them, though, they're made in a... They just don't seem sort of just quite too cheap and plasticky. As you, they are as they actually look. quite nicely. Yeah, they look... They're quite nice. Um, I'd have to say, Nick, my battery's draining ever so quickly. Oh, is so it? I'm going to probably... Maybe if you switch, vanish pretty soon. If you switch off your camera, switch your video part off, that might actually save it a little bit. But uh, okay, uh, Rich, I don't know if I've asked you about this before, but I, you know, because you presumably you still you were using the Axiom stuff. I don't remember what you were using in terms of uh, for your controllerism at uh, in the studio. I have an Axiom Pro, right? Sixty-one. Is that fulfill all your needs? I mean, can you still see the the need for something like this that would be kind of great for a specific purpose? 
it fulfills some of my needs and i like the integration with pro tools which is why i put up with the other things that i might not like so much about it um most notably the key bed but um it doesn't fulfill the same kinds of in other words the sliders on it are probably the weakest thing about it because they're very short throw and they're kind of like heavy feeling they don't they don't they're, they're just kind of odd and and they're hardest to use across the little range of their th travel so the knobs are very cool the drum pads are very cool the keys are acceptable and the overall way the thing interfaces with pro tools and the plugins works really well um but are there is there room in my life for more cool control absolutely does this thing look like it's it no not really um do they make anything um, else that that would that, that would kind of fit the bill? I haven't few seen other... their other stuff. I haven't seen their other stuff there. Similar formats. I haven't seen them before. It's yeah. hard for me to tell how big this thing is from this picture in this uh, in this thing. In other words, I can't. Is is that actual size? I'm is not, it, You know, I'm not sure it is. I I get the feeling that they're about about three. I, I could fit about probably about three of them on my laptop. I I reckon across. Of. Across, yeah. All right, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm probably about, I'm, I'm probably just slightly similar depth, but maybe a little bit shorter. How he says in the chat room, Fader Fox is tiny. Yeah, and it's very short throw faders. And when you get faders that are that short throw, it's hard to get any kind of precise control unless you're trying to do effects like that woman with the theremin. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you kind of stuff you can do real easily, but getting I any kind of say, fine control. From the ones I've tried, though, they, they, they're definitely a, a different quality to, say, things like... I, I know the Axiom. I've used one of them a lot. Uh, and the Fader Fox controls do feel a lot more precise than, than the Axiom. Oh, uh, cool. Certainly the sliders. sliders but... mm -hmm. Gaz, it sounds like you're trying to climb into the boot at the same time as you're, uh, you're talking. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what's going on there. It's very oh, intriguing. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I'm on three percent, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pop out of existence very shortly. Oh, Gaz, it's <laughs> been well, Gaz songsurgeon.co.uk. <laughs> we'll say goodbye to you now in case you just drop off. But we really appreciate okay, you. your you joining us from that car park. It's uh, absolutely f fabulous. Another great location from you, Gaz. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, oh, I forgot what I was going to say now. Um, uh, yes, uh, that's because it's gone. I don't know. I, I I like the idea of these things, uh, and it's just a question. I think really, it's one of those things that, that these are designed for. For a lot of them, seem to be designed for DJ and Ableton Live users, so they're very specific rather than homogenous and trying to do a lot of things at the same time. So I think that's where you get the advantage. I mean, it's the same with all these controllers. If you've got a controller that works, like you, Rich, you were saying, it works very well within Pro Tools, so it, it marries nicely with a specific job. But it's when you start getting to the kind of I want it to do loads of different stuff that you kind of run into trouble. Indeed, agreed. Mm. It, it's true, and there's still room for that. Uh, there's still room. I mean, I think there's still room for for specific purpose controllers. It's just you know, the holy grail. Um, and maybe that's the iPad. That's what the iPad has to do because that can be configured as however you want. The iPad with a little USB interface that also has some hardware control attached to it as well. Maybe is the answer. Well, the problem, quote unquote, with me in this is I'm quite happy mixing on screen with a mouse <laughs> or a trackball. <laughs> and well that's fine aren't. yeah but i mean and uh, most people aren't and i understand that i guess the thing for that is that's fine it's more to do with the stuff that requires tactile input 
you know, whether it's, you know, rather than, rather than uh, I mean, I'm not saying mixing doesn't, but I'm just saying that sometimes like certain instruments and, and real-time manipulation of effects against the timeline where there's a performance aspect to it, that's when you kind of run yes. out of options. Yeah, nothing like twisting a good knob or moving a good fader to change your filter cutoff. Yeah, and all those kind of things. Yeah. Well, anyway, one module at a time with visual feedback. Yes, I think that's right. I think that's Urs in the chat room. Um, it might be Urs Heckman, the, fabric, the maker of the Yuhi Zebra, amongst many other things. Welcome. It's uh, always nice to have such celebs in the chat room. Don't know if it Yay, is or not. <laughs> but I, I had the idea of actually having something so that you could, you had a physical control and then the touchscreen so you could maybe go and go these two or these three move it or this one so you can you've got two hands but you can dynamically control more controls at the same time just by touching those and then the then the the fader or whatever it is that you've got externally to that device is what controls them all at the same time nothing like twisting good nub yes rich that's that's possibly another contender for the show title (laughs) i want to say this actually because i keep forgetting we are always looking out for uh the 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 show title i I, and it'd be uh, Please do. If you've got something that you think might be good for a title, put, put uh, title colon and uh, we'll, um, uh, uh, we can maybe uh, run it by and, and use it in the, in the show. Mark there was uh, rather s- dangerously standing there with some scissors, snipping them. Uh, that'll be Gaz's, Gaz's uh, stream. His battery has finally died. Poor Gaz, he's dropped offline. Uh, he's gone, is he? Yeah, he's gone. Am I talking? Oh, I am talking. You're talking. Um, uh, Ur says he's not a fan of touch control no tactile feedback but I'm saying is if you combine that with a piece of hardware so you had say a knob and the touch screen and the, the knob just use the touch screen to configure what the knob does you see what I mean That's my... what happened to that thing that's stuck on the laptop screen because that looked kind of cool yeah I, th- I, I think it, it kind of was kind of cool but, <laughs> but not Rich didn't like holding that, it's holding a door open somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. So what else have we got left? Um, anyway, that's the Fader Fox. I think you can find it at, uh, where is it? Let's have a look. It's uh, uh, faderfox.de is the, uh, so they're obviously a German company. So that's why. Right, total effect control. Right. Um, so what's next? Let me see. Oh, the Rob Pappen Punch. Let's have a look. I did actually have another video, which I wanted to try and find, but when the thing crashed, I hadn't saved it in my playlist. So I'm going to see if I can get it before I bring that in. I'll play this in the meantime. After you have installed Punch, it will appear as virtual instrument inside your music host program. First part you need to visit is the section where you can find all presets and bags. Also the manual can be opened if you press the help button. There are many ways to select these presets. You can do it the classic way by using the up and down arrow in the preset part for selecting the preset and by using the up and down arrow at the bank part for selecting the bank. But just like all other plugins, we have also here the quick browse. I think this one's much better like making beats. You're in for a treat tonight because we've got the new drum machine by Rob Papin, Punch. It's a VST instrument that can exist inside your Ableton Live, so you can uh, 
use it as part of more complicated uh, things with both. Woohoo! I enjoy that. That was uh, Visa VJ Franz K, who has got possibly the most distinctive reviewing voice in the world. He is a voiceover artist just waiting to be utilized <laughs> to a great deal a great deal more than he is. I I I'd love to get him to do reviews for us, but I'm sadly I think he's just a bit too expensive. But his his voice is just fantastic. So um this was of course Punch, uh, Rob Poppins Punch, which uh, I think we saw at uh, NAM initially. We got a really good demo from Rob. And one thing that struck me about a lot of his instruments is they're very big. And, you know, he goes for the sort of quite extreme and massive, so I hate to use the word fat, but aggressive and sort of in-your-face kind of sounds. I don't know whether they leave much room for anything else, but uh, I really quite enjoyed um, what I heard of Punch. Anyone else got any Rob Parpin stuff? I don't have any any of his stuff, no. Uh... I mean, <clears throat> I don't I. I'm off drum machines at the moment again. I don't know why. I think because uh, perhaps because I'm trying to do a, a kind of a rockabilly thing and I need a man with a, a ride cymbal, a snare, and a, and that's it, actually. Yeah, yeah shuffle. You just, need a, you just need a snare drum, a snare drum and someone who can do shuffle. I'm more interested in his haircut, really, I think. <laughs> He's got to have a good haircut. Oh, uh, okay. You're thinking live then, are you? Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm thinking about a sequenced kind of rockabilly kind of thing. Psychobilly? Is that the sort of... Well, no, not really. I was thinking more like, if you know what dubstep is, like kind of blues step. So like a kind of a cross between country style blues, rockabilly and dubstep. That's what I've been experimenting with. And it's coming out in a very interesting kind of way, actually. That so, does sound pretty interesting. I can't wait to hear some of that, Mark. You need a man with a canary yellow quip about 14 inches high. Actually. And you don't, <laughs> don't you have to have a double bass player as well? Yep, absolutely. Yep. Pub, pub step. Three-piece, three-piece <laughs> band, like the Stray Cats, but with a, with a someone on laptop. <laughs> Sonic7341 in the chat room calls it pub step, which I think is an absolutely brilliant title for a genre. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's superb. <laughs> so I quite like Seco Billy actually. Seco uh, Ah, Seco Billy. All right. Um so we don't have any experience of Rob Pop and stuff at all between us. That's a bit uh, um a bit uh problematic because <laughs> I don't have any tumbleweed to play, but maybe that's a good time even, to Even more problematic for dear Rob is it doesn't have me reaching for my wallet. Okay, no, but I mean right. do you, are you a kind of step drum step kind of guy i mean i step sequencing drum guy or i mean because they're, they're they're like virtual drum machines same for the arturia spark really i mean you've got hardware attached to it but it's essentially a drum machine in a plug-in i'm a whatever it takes kind of guy you put me in front of a set of pads i can play the drums you put me in front of a keyboard with a mouse i can draw the drums you put me in front of a keyboard and put drum sounds on each key i can play the drums you know whatever you know if you put me behind a drum set I'll be fairly terrible, but I could do something good enough that I could sit behind a computer and make it work. <laughs> so I'll do whatever it takes. And and uh, as much as I, too, am kind of gotten away from drum machines, if I were into drum machines right now, if I were thinking about some kind of interfacing, the, the thing that has interested me the most that I've seen in the recent times is machine. Yeah, we've, we've talked about it before, haven't we? I mean, it does look yeah. very prominent. And again, with a lot of these things, I mean, a lot of the pull is not necessarily the the sequencing for me it's the palette of sounds really yeah but i have that anyway yeah, it's right. like that's just to me machine would just be a controller for battery 
really, quite honestly. And and I've got all those sounds, and I've got a couple of other programs. BFD, I love addictive drums. Those are my buddies up in Sweden. I'm going to go see them next week. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, I, there's plenty of good drums in my computer. It's like something I'm talking And that's before I even get into contact libraries and things like that. I got Steven Slate stuff. It's, I'm not going to run out of drum sounds anytime. I suppose soon. that's the. I mean, I've got. I, I mean, I haven't. And the, the the thought of having to buy tons and tons and tons of it just to find the few sounds I like. I'd rather kind of get maybe one or two things that I know is of in the right ballpark and is going to be useful to me. And I suppose that's where something like this is going to come in handy. Well, they're all good, but you could use any one of them and get by. Oh, in yeah. terms of the ones I've just described. You can install, uh, the browser in the chat room says uh, you can get the demo from the website. Uh, he doesn't think it sounds like anything else. Uh, I must admit, I did, um, I was really, when I heard it in the flesh with what Rob was doing it, I mean, n- neither of those demos really showed, or we didn't play the whole lot, obviously, showed it to its fullest extent, but it was really sonically very impressive and had some very interesting uh, sets of sounds and sim- because it's not just that as it's got um, drum synths in there as well so you can actually it's not just purely a set of samples so it allows you to do a lot more I mean I, I was using Waldorf Attack recently and that's kind of something that's interesting to me using a synthesizer a drum synthesizer to make stuff <laughs> what is that blue space juice yeah. <laughs> um, what do you use for drum I mean obviously with your uh, pub step you're not going to be or your your seco billy you're not going to be able to um to use a drum machine, but when you do, I mean, do you tend to make the sounds yourself anyway? I, I, not recently, no. I, uh, I mean, how it used to go with Duran was that I would just create a whole load of loops and stuff that they liked the sound of and thought were inspiring, and then I'd chop them up and put them into a, any kind of machine that they could be looped and played at any tempo. So that was actually, I mean, and that at that time was chopped up with recycled and turned into MIDI files and put in a K2000. So they could literally use a K2000 as a drum machine that sounded like a drum loop. And then they'd play over the top of it. So it always ended up back at real drums in the end anyway. So um, uh, that was kind of, I mean, well, think, I mean, thinking about it, I took everything from like little snippets of sound off the television to samples of, uh, various different drummers' kits to create those loops, but um, now I'm trying to create a sound of a coherent single drummer throughout all of my music. That's so I'm trying to tough. end up with a sound that I like that's going to work for all my music, and that's uh, that's yeah, proving to be that's difficult. T- that's I mean, tough. I mean. I mean, it's, to a degree, when you're working on a project, that's kind of what you want from a set of drum sounds because you don't want to reinvent the wheel every time. You want a certain amount of consistency. And obviously, the, yeah. one of the easiest ways to do that is, uh, well, not, in a, not maybe not in all cases, but you know, there's certain certain songs will require a similar sound worlds. And obviously, the easiest way to do that is have a great drummer and a great drum sound that you can kind of tweak to suit your needs. But uh, for the oh. rest of us, we have to survive with... Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, you just need to invent a whole genre around the sound that you kind of pick and like. Because if you think about Sisters of Mercy, before they came along, nobody wanted to use the TR-808 or 606, did they? It was just sort of like, oh, yeah, well, that's, you know, not the machine. But they did that whole goth thing over the top of, like, plinky-plonky drums, and it somehow bizarrely became completely accepted that that was their sound. And that went through everything for years, didn't it? 
So I, I guess mean, so. I mean, I suppose now it's more about combinations, isn't it? So, you know, you might always use your 808 hats or your 808 kick drum, but generally an entire kit is not... It's not you, you know. It's, it's not usually used. It's usually elements of those those oh. bits that go together. And I suppose by, by you know by saying you know those combinations are things that give something a consistency and flavour. Maybe. Mm. Oh well. <laughs> I need a drummer. Yeah, I think you need a drummer and uh, a set and some very yellow clear. and some audio <laughs> damage plugins to really really ma- mash them up. That they're. Well, I'll just get... give him some cider. If I give him enough cider, <laughs> it would get interesting. <laughs> cider step. And uh, for the Americans, cider in England is alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. It's called hard cider here when it's alcoholic. Oh, is it? Ah, yeah, right. hard cider step. <laughs> it's called scrumpy here, isn't it, Nick? <laughs> That's right. Scrumpy. Scrumpy like is that. what we call it here, yeah. It's, uh, cl- it's usually cloudy as well. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, cloudy, and, yeah, that kind of stuff, could be, and flat, yeah. flat as a pancake. Anyway, it seems like we might be uh, gradually kind of coming into the uh, the final s- destination of uh, this train drive of a of a podcast. That was a terrible metaphor. I just started that. <laughs> I started that sentence, and I, I didn't really four or five of them in there. Actually. I didn't really know where I was going with it when I started. <laughs> I, it felt so promising. Sampling metaphors. Yeah. So anyway, welcome. Uh, well, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. It's been a great pleasure as ever. I want to say thank you to uh, Gaz, who's obviously gone. Songsurgeon.co.uk. I'm hoping that he's probably winging his way back down the M4 to Bristol after his uh, podcast from the back. Uh, from I think from... I think he's been arrested for dogging. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't exactly. want to use he's the... up against. <laughs> He's up against the side of the car in handcuffs. <laughs> what are you doing, sir? I was <laughs> doing a podcast with my friends. Yeah. Uh, show me. Uh, my battery's gone. I can't. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't believe you. Yeah, that's good. Can you just show us what screen you were looking at? Yeah. Oh. I can't. Put that under the seat. Oh, dear. I'm going to have to confiscate your uh, your vehicle and your laptop. Anyway, um, well, Gaz, thank you for him for joining. Uh, post- posthumously, that's the wrong word, isn't it? But after the event, after the event, and. Uh, over there on my on that side Mark Tinley likebeing.com uh, thank you very much for joining us uh, been a real pleasure as ever I'm glad you could make it you're very welcome and do go and look at my new website because I spent a whole day doing the graphics and I, I'm very excited about it <laughs> okay ah. will do likebeing.com don't forget it folks yeah. and uh, over here we have Rich Hilton from sunny Connecticut, um, who I'm guessing is probably heading off to the studio for some more hot chic action or perhaps Nile Rogers studio action. <laughs> mixing, 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 action. mixing, mixing, mixing lately, mixing a, uh, mixing two, not one, but two complete live shows. Ah, and has to be done before I leave for Europe on Saturday. All right. How do you, speaking of which, uh-huh. yeah. I was just curious, how do you, when you're mixing live shows, I mean, because that's the one thing that, uh, do you find that you, you create a, a template? Because this is the thing that I always find, you kind of get a mix together, and then by the time you mix two or three songs, you've kind of refined the sound of some of the elements for the live thing and got it a little bit better. Then do you go back and kind of apply them again, or do you kind of try and do it in a linear fashion? I couldn't possibly mix this thing one song at a time in, ter- in terms of the tonal presentation. In other words, there's no way it would get done. Um, and there's no reason to do it. Uh, pardon me. The recorded sounds are consistent from about 
I don't know, seven, five to seven minutes into the first show throughout the rest of the shows. Now, that's within the dynamic range that each player presents, but given the, the tonal uh, presentation, is pretty much set from the start, and the levels are done by about five to seven minutes in, and they're good for both shows from there on out. So to go back to your question, in mixing the first show, I established my template, my methodology, my way of working. Mostly the shows are similar from in material. They, they, the vast majority of the two shows are the same songs presented two different times, obviously. And um, so, yes, I was able, when I started show two, to basically import all the tracks, their plugins, their settings, their busing, their routing, everything, uh, and then slide the files for show two into my existing setup so that I could then just move forward and already have my sounds. And then I made a few subtle tweaks. You know, sometimes people play with a little bit more enthusiasm in the second show or a little bit less enthusiasm. You know, so a few compressor settings had to change and things like that. But for the most part, uh, I found it was mixing itself uh, yesterday nice. as I start on show two. And today I will make another pass through show two and hopefully finish it. Um, I will certainly get something finished enough to be able to bounce songs, uh, convert them to AAC files, and upload them for Mr. Rogers to listen to because he won't be there today. So I have like a lot of work to do, and uh, it's all got to get done before I go to Europe, which is what I was going to say before, is that uh, for anybody who's listening who listens, you know, either live or shortly after we record these things. Uh, I'll be uh, performing with Chic next week in Europe. It'll be Monday night in Belgium, in Brussels. It'll be Thursday night in Amsterdam. It'll be Friday night in Stockholm. And it'll be Saturday in Paris. Wow. And then I'm coming, then I'm coming home on Sunday. <laughs> cool. So uh, any of you folks who uh, want to hook up, write to me. And we'll see what we can do. It's going to be pretty hectic once we leave Amsterdam. It's going to be insane. But, uh, you know, we'll do what we can. You're playing in the Paradiso. In we Amsterdam. are playing the Paradiso in Amsterdam, yes. And we have, we have a couple of days to spend in Amsterdam prior, which oh, is a nice. beautiful thing. And I have some good friends in that area, so I'm looking forward to seeing them as well. I do like Amsterdam, actually. And it's not for the obvious, uh, you know, the obvious reasons. It's just because it's just a great city. Yeah. Yeah, great museums, great stuff. The canals are fun. It's just a really nice place to be for a while. Yeah. Well, I hope the weather holds for you and you get your, on your days off. You can uh, jaunt around the canals and sit and enjoy cafe society uh, to, I its, to, to the max. Well, Rich, thank you very much. Uh, that was, that was um, the end of the show. And uh, I want to say thank you to our sponsors, of course, uh, YamahaDownload.com, YamahaSynth.com. Uh, they will be uh, happy to show you the N8 and the N12 Firewire audio mixers uh, stroke uh, audio interfaces uh, if you go to a store and play some stuff through them. And also, um, that's, uh, uh, there's no show next week because I'm going to be on holiday, but we'll be back the week after. So I'm guessing that's going to be uh, not the 15th, but the 22nd of June we'll be back, uh, which I'm guessing is probably getting close to, to Glastonbury. So that'll be kind of uh, an, an interesting time. Anyway, so once again, thank you very much to everybody uh, for joining us this week. Uh, that was Sonic Talk number 221. Uh, thanks very much also to the chatties uh, once again. It's a wrap. I dream of cleaning you.
Sir.